0: Listener Production.
1: Created for new dads and dads to be, this season is the ultimate go to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby, and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad Chris Taylor. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond. I'm midwife Kath and I have Chris Taylor with me and we are going to talk about the day you bring your baby home. Welcome, Chris.
0: What a day. Yes, as a new dad, um, it was probably about six months ago now and I remember it like it was yesterday. We're talking about when you leave the hospital... And you leave all the many, many doctors and midwives who've been holding your hand for the past nine months and you're suddenly on your own with no instruction manual.
1: And you had a buzzer in the hospital.
0: Yes, there's no buzzer. There's no buzzer at home. No. (laughs) Because I remember in those first few days, every small basic action felt like a major event. Like the first time you put them in the car seat and that first drive home from the hospital, it's utterly terrifying. I don't think I've ever driven so slowly or carefully. Like it, it's it's a very simple route, but suddenly it takes on this enormous gravitas. Yeah. And you wait at roundabouts way longer than is it. probably safer to wait because you don't want to make any false moves. But everything's like that. The first bath, the first time you put them first nappy change, everything just feels momentous. But it's also amazing.
1: I call the first twelve months the year of firsts. It's coming home, driving with the baby, sleep deprivation waking up, looking at the baby, hoping they're all right, changing nappies, what do you do, going out, all of those things are a year of firsts. You know, I think that as new parents, the support of other people is is so important, isn't it, Chris, when you have a new baby?
0: It is. But the other mantra that we found really helpful, and we always fell back on whenever we felt a bit overwhelmed or out of our depth, was we always said, millions of people have done this before us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> across history, across all socioeconomics, across all countries. So we kind of kept saying, it can't be that hard. Mm. And looking back at it now, it, it you know, I've just described how momentous everything felt, and it's true. But it's, it's momentous because it's new and the stakes are so high because mm. you, you're in charge of keeping this baby alive. But it's also, I don't know if you agree with... This advice being imparted, it's also not that hard. Exactly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, kind of, it's new and it's high stakes, but it's, the, the jobs are all quite basic. Yes. Anyone can do this. We, you've got it. You've got it.
1: Feeding the baby. It's about keeping the baby clean and warm. I mean, that's it. Food, love, warmth. That's been my mantra for many,
0: many years. So you finally get home. What should parents expect? What are the baby's core needs in those first few days and weeks? So
1: babies just need a lot of feeding. You know, I know I've said this before, but you can't overfeed a baby. Um, You can certainly underfeed. It's about also just being organised, that you've got some food in the fridge and you've got, you know, if you need bottles, the bottles are organised and, you know, things just to be easy. And the one big no is not too many visitors. In those oh. first few days, it's full on, isn't it?
0: We'll get on to that, but I I found that a very hard thing to police. People just want to come over, but we'll, we'll get on to visitation shortly. So feeding's a big one. Sleep is the other big one. I recall babies do sleep a lot. Some babies. Some babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was certainly taught that most babies do sleep, and in my experience, they sleep. They sleep more than all the myths, like everyone always tells you, oh, you'll never sleep. But we we found the baby does sleep a lot and she slept anywhere, like on couches, in Moses baskets, in our arms while we were watching the cricket. Yep, Is that fine? Just let them sleep where they want to sleep or is it better to establish a dedicated sleeping space?
1: No, that's how your baby um, slept because not all babies sleep a lot it's okay to hold them, put them in the Moses basket or sit up and watch the cricket. It's absolutely fine because you've just got to get through those weeks and have that support for each other. What babies also do, if you think about pregnancy and women moving, you know, and walking and doing bits and pieces, they're basically rocking the baby in utero. So it's very common for people to say, look, the baby slept so well during the day, and then at night, he would just just awake all night. Yes. So what happens is when you're pregnant and you go to bed, as women, when you go to bed, the baby's like, oh, beauty, she's in bed, and we, you know, and they tend to move around a lot. So that's reflected in some
0: newborn babies. They're kind of nocturnal, aren't they? In our, in our instance, we found Rose was way more active at night than during the day. And that's about the rocking during the
1: day. And that's why, you know, some simple routines can help get that sleep organised. But it takes about six months for babies to really get into a good sleeping habit. Is Rose sleeping well?
0: She is now. But in these early, early weeks, we found, oh, look, look, like any newborn, I think we got lucky that she sleeps better than others and she didn't have any illness or anything.
1: They do Love being held and they love, like they, they learn your smell.
0: They're like a koala that are clinging on. I kind of miss it, like that. She's too big now. She doesn't really like sleeping on my chest unless she's really tired. So beautiful.
1: I can't wait to be a grandmother. And as I was, I was just saying, the smell, I mean, they, they get used to smells. And that's why when a baby's crying with someone else and then you take Rose and she knows your smell, that's, that's a very primitive, again, sort of relaxation. She knows she's safe with you.
0: Do we So do we know scientifically when a baby first is cognizant of having a mum and a dad and is really familiar with those two people oh, if they have two parents? That's a question. Because people always said, you know, if I'd been out at the shops and then came back into the house and, you know, loudly as I normally enter the house with a, <laughs> a large thing lot of things to say and Rose would turn and, yes. and everyone goes, oh, she recognises Dad's voice. And, and I never knew if that's just imposing you know projecting that or whether she actually does she does
1: now that's exactly the same as the smell and she knows your voice because she's been listening to it all her life while while (laughs) ash was pregnant and you know and they hear that and without a doubt when you walk in and you talk it's like yep they turn around yeah
0: that's pretty cool but it's
1: also you know what i was saying before is the smell and that's why i say to new parents put your baby right up on your top of your shoulder and they smell your neck and, and they know that safety of being close to you.
0: One of the first key skills I think partners especially need to learn is settling. Uh, newborns will scream, they'll cry and, yes, it's often in the middle of the night. So what are the best ways to settle a child and get them back to sleep? There's only
1: one way. Feed them. Okay, you've got to feed them. You've got to refeed and refeed. So
0: all that, like holding them, doing the shuffle, doing the dance, patting them on the back, I found I got results with that sometimes, trying different holds. They've got to be
1: fed and fed enough for them to go to sleep. So if a baby's had some milk and you're holding the baby and then you put her down the cot and she wakes up, there's two things that haven't happened. She hasn't had enough to drink. And usually during the daytime, she hasn't had enough tummy time or play time because that gives you the balance of food in and activity out. So babies have to have that balance. So it, it, it's perfectly fine to hold the baby and let them sleep for two or three hours on you. That's fine too. And a lot of people do that. But if you put the baby down and it's crying, you've got to feed it again. And that's where, you know, a lot of people say, oh, but I only fed the baby half an hour ago. Doesn't matter. You need to feed the baby again.
0: Really? Because I reckon there'd be a lot of new parents listening I know. to this saying, oh, no, we've had a really well-fed baby and they're still not settled. They're still crying. Are you saying that's not the case? Yep, very much so. In
1: my book, The First Six Weeks, I go into that about how important it is to you know feed continuously, not only breastfeed and tummy time, but, you know, you've got to have that balance. You can't just do one feed and expect the
0: baby to go to sleep. Can I reframe the question this way then? Let's say you want to give the mum a bit of a, a, bit of a rest, a bit of a sleep herself. And so the baby's up. You don't want to wake the mum for a feed. You, you haven't prepped a bottle. What are things that men or partners can effectively do to try and settle a baby other than feeding?
1: Well, just walk around and hold them. But that won't help them go to sleep because they've got to have food. They've got to have enough to drink. You need to hold them. You know, if you put them down on the floor, they're going to cry. If you put them back in the cot, they will cry. It's all about food. And I know I've said it a thousand times, but you just can't overfeed babies. It's impossible. They are very sensible and they stop. But when a baby's crying, that's different. You've got to go through the process. Have they had enough to drink? Have they had enough playtime? Babies don't cry from wet and pooey nappies. They've got no understanding of that.
0: So that's a bit of a myth. That, that is a big myth. You off, you always get told if they're crying, it's either because they're hungry or they've done a poo.
1: Yeah, they don't know about that. They haven't got the cognitive information that, like we do. If to we know, if the we know we've your had Dax a poo, is wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. So people overchange babies' nappies because they think, oh, but so the baby the baby had a poo. That's why yeah. they're um, and we crying. We were
0: constantly changing nappies, thinking to eliminate options for why it was crying. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's all about food and you just got to keep at that. And holding a baby, especially a baby that has reflux or, or colic, they do need a lot of holding and those, you know, the strap-in sort of slings slings are great to walk around with but overnight is very difficult.
0: If you've never had a child before and you haven't really been around children, I reckon a lot of new parents, especially dads maybe, don't even know the basics of how to hold a child. Like it's something you kind of develop and you kind of learn what works or what's comfortable for you, what's comfortable for the baby. But its I know it sounds stupid, but you kind of don't get lessons in just how to hold a baby. I know. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's about the year of, of knowing and learning how to hold a baby, how to feed a baby, how to change a baby. Because let's say, for example, I had one dad say to me the other day, oh my God, I'm really worried the baby's sweating." I'm like, no, you haven't put the nappy on correctly, because babies don't just don't sweat like that. And it was a little boy; the nappy was too low, and they were just peeing out the corner. And (laughs) that's why they they looked—they thought they were sweating. (laughs) So all those things that they—they're easily solved. But crying is debilitating for us parents, isn't it?
0: Of course, and you'll do anything you can to stop it. And as I said, for me and my partner, it was just constant trial and error of different ways to hold, sometimes in a sling, sometimes just walking around. We found our parents all said, I'll put them in the car seat and go for a drive, that'll settle them. And, and that kind of does work sometimes, same with the pram. But I'm, I'm taking on board what you're saying, that ultimately it all comes back to feeding.
1: If you're fed enough and, and the baby's still crying, then that's where a dummy comes in. Or a pacifier, because babies want that sucking or that oral satisfaction. And often if they've got, you know, they haven't had a poo for a while, that there's a thing called the oral anal reflex. And the oral anal reflex is the sucking of the mouth and drinking milk stimulates the anus to fart or poo or the bowel to fart or poo. So that's where the circle of life happens in our body. So that's why, um, you know, if you've fed the baby enough and you know it's not hungry, that sucking of the dummy is fantastic because you might find that the baby has a really big poon army, you know, and just gets all that stuff out. And then they tend to settle a little bit. So it's about assessing your baby, you know, because... Not one thing works. You know, you can't say no. you've got to just do this or you've got to, because it just doesn't work. You've got to try different things. Sometimes it's giving the baby another bath, a really deep, warm bath, re-sort of settling, starting again. You know, I've told people to bath their baby at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's not a problem if they're newborn mm-hmm. babies. Then you just re-settle them, re- yep. re-sort of recharge them again and give them a drink. And also in the new baby, I'm really, I really promote um, wrapping. That's part of the settling process.
0: Uh, You mentioned dummies or pacifiers. I I know some people are a little bit funny about using dummies. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. We were advised don't use them in the first six weeks while they're still learning to breastfeed and they don't want to confuse them with a a replica teat. Got nothing Uh, to do with it. You you think it's fine to go hard with a dummy early?
1: Absolutely. It's sanity. Crying, a, a newborn crying is very difficult when you know you've fed the baby a lot. What I don't tell people to do is put their finger in the mouth. A lot of people put their own finger in the baby's mouth. Oh, we did it's that. It's foul. Yeah. Like your fingers do. So it always
0: felt wrong, but we saw our midwives do it, so we thought oh, must I must be fine. It's
1: disgusting. It just makes me cringe. So <laughs> it works. They do, it, but, but that's where a dummy's the same, and and it's cleaner, it's a human and dummy. It's, yeah, and you know, y- you have control over the dummy because either six months or twelve months, there's a way and a time to get rid of it. If you keep going after 12 months, they're going to go to school with a dummy in their bag. It just becomes difficult. So, But in the first six weeks, it's terrific. They're terrific okay. to have. But you've got to feed first. You've yep. got to make sure the baby's had enough to drink because you don't want them sucking and still hungry.
0: Can I just be very clear too, in yep. case anyone thinks I'm a disgusting animal, I did wash my hands before sticking <laughs> my finger in my baby's mouth. <laughs> You mentioned bathing a couple of minutes ago. I I, I found this another really fun and intoxicating ritual to get into with the newborn and a a great way, again, for, for partners to get involved. How often should you be bathing a child in the early days? Good question. Do you know that has just changed in this last 12
1: months and I'm like, what the hell's going on? New parents are being taught to bath the baby once or twice a week. I'm going to get chest pain hearing about that.
0: That's what we were told once a week. Because, yeah, once a week was, was fine. It's so
1: important. And that's why it's, it's part of a slowing down, settling, getting ready for bed that starts as a newborn. And you keep doing it at 12 months and two years. You know, you give them the, the dinner and a bath, and then you settle your little one year old or two year old. It's a very important part of a baby's routine. And that's why I started on the first day at home, I do the bath at 10 o'clock and I get the dads to do that. And it's also nice for the baby, you know, just just to have be in warm water and, you know. Oh, to, they love it. Oh, they, they love, it. love it. And once or twice a week, I'm like,
0: Isn't that Well, okay, so this is what we were told. It's fine to do it more if you want, but it was only necessary to do it once a week because they said no human is ever cleaner than a baby. Like they're constantly being wiped down with wipes and
1: it's not about being clean. It's about a routine. Right. It's about settling them down and a deep, warm bath. You can just see babies just start to settle. And I would bath the baby for like two minutes, you know, just or three minutes. It's not a long bath. It's the
0: routine. It's the routine. It's not the It's not the cleaning. No. Yeah, 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 gotcha. Because I don't put Um, any
1: soap on the baby. I was about to say, so
0: we we were told don't use any soaps, just just plain water. Yep, Yep.
1: that's right. And if the baby's got a nappy rash, that's different. But still, a deep warm bath is, I mean, you know, for us, it's so beautiful to sit in a deep warm bath or to have a hot shower before we go to bed.
0: Rose is hysterical. She she loves a bath. She'll scream when you take her out of I one. Know. <laughs> like, but she, kinda, I know. You kind of need to keep her in a permanent bath 24-7.
1: Oh, but do it every day. She'll love it.
0: Okay. Come I'll, on. Just for you. I'll get into that habit. Because I enjoy it too. No, of course it's, yeah. you do.
1: Of course you do. And there's times when the baby gets older that you can actually sit in the bath with the baby. That's great too. A lot of people are actually starting to shower babies, which again gives me, you know, a sort of I have to breathe into a brown paper bag because showers... <laughs> And babies, they're slippery. I'm right. experienced. I, would, I've, I know how to hold any baby. I would never shower with holding a baby, ever. Just it's, it's too dangerous. Slipping and falling with the baby, just like. Mm, it, no. Yep. Yeah. Nightmares. So, so no showers, just a, a bath every day.
0: couples will be different, even as they're starting to get a bit more confident as we, you know, a couple of weeks in. I found that the whole question of leaving the house an interesting one, because I know couples who didn't leave their house for six weeks, whereas we went out with the pram, I'm sure, in the first couple of days, you know, to a cafe or something up the street and thought nothing of it. Every, Every couple will be different, whatever you're comfortable with, which is fine. But are there any rules about this stuff in midwifery? Well there's some cultural rules of course some women have
1: what's do what's called cultural confinement and that they stay in, inside for 40 days and that's just cultural reason that's fine everyone else is lo- it, it's not about the baby it's about how you feel personally like if you've had a Caesar or you've got a bigger pissiotomy and you're very sore you don't want to walk a long way because but the baby's fine wrap the baby up tuck it in Absolutely great. You're wonderful to get some fresh air and, you know, and walking with the baby is, is such a great, you feel sort of very proud of yourself and, you know, people say, oh, It'll what be d- a
0: long walk because everyone stops you. Like
1: Everyone. Uh, what did you have? How did you go?
0: You know? I remember a friend of mine said, Baby Trump's dog. If you thought a puppy oh, got yes. stopped a lot, like wait till you have a baby. <laughs> well,
1: that's what I say to a lot of dads, baby and a dog. Oh, my God. That <laughs> is the biggest, like, oh, my goodness, aren't you gorgeous? Women never get that, you know, but right. men oh, do. It's a dad thing. It's okay. a, Oh, yeah,
0: it's a great dad thing. It's one for the dads. Think. Take your baby out for Take a Take your baby and out and you've got and the baby. You'll never feel more <laughs> attractive to women. <laughs> and
1: like, oh, and yeah. everyone looks at it with their head on the side. Oh, aren't you amazing? Look at you <laughs> doing that. And you think, what?
0: It's the easiest thing ever. You're just going for a walk to buy some coffee and you you get a lot of brownie points for that for some reason. Yeah,
1: that's right. (laughs) Now,
0: um, one of my abiding memories of those early days is the constant visitors. You know, we had a newborn, but ironically, our house was never cleaner because we were constantly preparing the house for all the visitors coming over. It's an incredibly social time. Um, In a way, we weren't quite prepared for. We knew, you know, family would drop in, but Everyone drops in, and it's lovely, but it's almost exhaustingly social. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you, you do you think you need to police it a little? Well, bit? I do.
1: I mean, I'm sort of a bit of you know, I'm a bit tough on that. I'm like, you don't, you don't want to sit and talk to
0: people. That's a
1: lot. Well, personal. Well, you kind of do because well, you, you want to tell the
0: story of the birth and you everything. You don't want to keep telling it, you know, like for, for us, we didn't have that. We were never bored of talking about the baby or the birth experience. It was just. I don't know. Like three visitors a day. It's you do. You know, and you're prepping food, and you're yes. cleaning up, and all of that. You, you suddenly the tiredness suddenly hits.
1: Look, I I agree, and visitors are absolutely wonderful. But what I see a lot, uh, a young women usually just crying, saying, "I just can't do it. I can't have a sleep." Just and I said, just put a note on the door, leave the leave the present and some food. <laughs> Other than that, you know, ring us back. You know, I think there's a, you know, there's a limit, you know, you have your very close family and friends, of course, in and out. but when, you know, I've been to houses where there's like 15 people there, you know? Yeah. And I have to go and check with the mum in, in and new dad in the bedroom with the baby. And um goodness, I've had women fighting with their mother-in-law and another mother in there and oh, like, oh my all god, all of that all of that now, happening.
0: My my advice on this is I'd hate it for us to come across as curmudgeonly and ungrateful because it's mostly very lovely and you'll never feel more, you know, at the centre of attention and everyone wants to see the baby. And as we discussed in previous episodes, this is where you get all the clothes and toys that you didn't buy for yourself because you knew everyone was going to bring them. So this is when you get all of that. And it is really, really cool. My My one big note is... Try and just stagger them. Rather than get everyone coming in the first week, just stagger them across two months even, but certainly one month.
1: And certainly in the morning. I think the morning's better. You know, you may have slept a little bit and, you know, you're happy to see people and you can have a rest at lunchtime. And, again, it's not as though, you you know, you're dying of anything. It's just sleep deprivation is overwhelming, you know. Mm. And, you know, you have a shower and you do pick up. So, you know, I think, as you said, v- visitors – it's just a, it's all about love and they they they're happy for you and you know they want to see you and the new baby don't they
0: they do and it, it it's a lovely catch up because it, and it it's really convenient they come to you no one's saying you have to go to them it's everyone comes to you you do feel like the center of the universe in a sort of narcissistic way and we saw people we hadn't seen since our wedding or sure. like people come from afar to you know like the three wise men to see the baby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And it is beautiful. And I think when you've had a baby, you know that a half an hour visit is is great, you know, not a three hour one. Yeah, that's pop-in's right. great. Yeah, a pop in's great. And I think
0: you can, can always tell the parents who've, yes. who've had children because they're the ones who don't linger. Whereas that's right. people who haven't had kids sort of settle in and ask,
1: have you got any wine in the house? <laughs> <laughs> the people who've had babies bring the wine and go and make a cup of tea and they've got to sort of, sort of feed you, you know.
0: How do you navigate all the unsolicited advice? Because you're going to get a lot. Yep. And it's going to be contradictory. It's, As I said, it's unsolicited. Everyone who's had a baby thinks they know, the only person that knows how to raise a baby it, is there a polite way of taking it all on board or shutting it down? What What's your advice?
1: Yes, there is. And look, it's because it's worked for them. Okay, so if you and Asha went to see someone, you'd say, "Well, what worked for us?" Because of because Rose is a beautiful baby and doing well. But it's really like great for the new parents to say, "We're doing this and it's working for us." And you know, it's it's just how you, you, you we can take everything on board. You know, people just want to tell their story and that's part of the village and part of being a new parent listening to everyone else and how they how they are parenting and how you know what works for them no one's gonna it's there's no malice behind it is is it it's all about it's all about
0: how it's all well-intentioned and it's it's, and the strongest advice obviously comes from the grandparents who've, oh. you know, and, and the mother-in-law. And oh. my wife's been incredibly patient with my mom. <laughs> yeah. You kind of learn to take it all on board but reserve the right not to adapt any of it.
1: You've got to take a little bit, uh, you've got to say, oh, look, that's a really good idea because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings.
0: As I said, look, you know, Listen to them. Some of the advice might be really useful. Just be prepared. You will get a lot and you don't have any obligation to take it all no. on board. The Listen great, to one person. The, the, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, I reckon the most important thing to tell all new parents is that every baby is different. So 100%. what worked for your neighbours, what worked for your mum and dad,
1: won't necessarily work for And what work worked for, your, for your first baby won't yes. work for your second your baby. Second. That's one of the big things, Chris. Yeah. Because if you think of your siblings, everyone's different. And Thank
0: God. Thank God. Thank, God. <laughs> thank the Lord. But but so many people forget that when it comes to giving advice to parents. Like, you just go, yeah, that, that worked for yours, great. We're finding already that our baby doesn't react to that, so That's we're doing right. yep. why instead of It worked for us, yeah. The one visitor whose whose advice we did always take was the midwife who made a house call at least once a week, I, I seem to recall, mm-hmm. for the first month. it. I think they were even happy to do more if we wanted more. It was an extraordinary service. Mm. And they were popping round to monitor not just the baby's progress and weight and health, but but also the mother's, which I found really, really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have a great health service in Australia. We really do as far as new parents in the public system. That's where you get a lot of follow-up. But in the private system, you don't get as much. But it's possible to pay for people if you, you know, if you want to have people go. Like I do visits, and I've in Melbourne, I go and do home visits. Everyone's different, but certainly in the if it's your first baby, uh, having someone come in with really good advice and sort of resetting your head because life at home is very different to hospital, as we've discussed. So having that professional come in once a week for a few weeks is Fantastic! Really, really
0: mm. good. I was genuinely impressed that it was offered as a service. My personal experience was quite interesting. I sort of had a father going through the aged care system at the same time as yep. we we're bringing a newborn into the world, and it was so revealing. Oh yeah, about that the state puts all its resources into new humans yeah. and they don't care, <laughs> don't care at all about people exiting um, that, that's a discussion for another time but there's a saying
1: that it, it, it's hard to be born and it's hard to die yeah. and so true isn't mm.
0: it mm. there's obviously like hundreds of little things that parents worry about in those early days and weeks like a The baby's got a small rash or the baby's constantly farting or hiccuping. One eye's not opening as much as the other. But you kind of learn through your midwife's advice or, you know, Dr. Google, whatever it is, that a lot of that doesn't really matter. But what are the signs to be aware of when there is something seriously wrong and you might need to go to emergency or a GP? What are the warning signs?
1: Well, I say to new parents, a baby can't be sick and well at the same time it's one or the other. So if you see your baby and you look at your baby and think, well, eating, sleeping, squirming, but alert, good colour, the baby's well. So you can't be sick because a baby is sick. They're floppy. They're pale. Um, their eyes, they've just got a look that you don't have to be a professional to know that your baby's sick. Just a quick story. A lady came to see me once and she said, I've been to a GP a couple of times. I've been to just been to a pediatrician Everyone says the baby's okay. I don't know what to do. Go to the children's hospital. I said, just if you are worried, I'm worried. He had heart surgery that night. That baby. Thank God. Yep. Yeah. And that's when you've got to trust your soul and your heart. If you know something's wrong with your baby, and if mothers tell me that, I'm like, I believe you. And that lady always sends me something every year, you know, and which <laughs> I don't. You know, it's just beautiful.
0: Mm. Maternal instincts, a incredible thing. We've talked about it before on this podcast, but yeah, if a mother senses it in her waters or wherever she feels it, it probably means something.
1: One hundred percent. And babies change their behaviour about two days before the body declares what it is. So if she's, if Rose is getting a cold or getting a gastro or something, it's about two days. And you think that's weird? She's waking up overnight or not drinking as much. You've got to trust yourself. That's some, she's something's happening you've got to then sort of keep an eye on her and wonder why is she doing that because babies who are well don't change their behavior so you can't be sick and well at the same time
0: one of the one of the things newborns sometimes get is colic uh, how serious is colic and what is it
1: okay so colic it's very much a you know in the 50s and 60s even probably earlier but i believe that babies don't get colic, they actually get reflux. So it's in the upper gut. So in the top of the tummy, we all have a, a sphincter that cl- when the milk or food goes down, the sphincter or that little muscle closes. A lot of babies are born with like a floppy sphincter. It doesn't close as well. So when you when you're feeding a baby and if they vomit, the stomach acids that are in the tummy, they really burn. Have you ever had heartburn? No. No. Okay. So when you have heartburn, it's like you can't It's like a pebble in your foot, in a shoe. It just is there all the time and you can't get comfortable. So babies who cry a lot and cry and cry and cry, there's something going on. If they look well otherwise, it's usually um, reflux. So with reflux, there's a lot that can be done. So, you know, we can give them some medicine that cuts down the acid. If the baby's bottle feeding, we can give a bottle with some thickener in it. And then that milk thickens in the tummy through the warmth of the tummy and so the milk goes like a, like a custard or um, yogurt, so it's not as fluidy, so it doesn't come up and regurgitate. And babies with um, reflux, it's about an eight-month journey. Right. But now we're better at it. My son had it, and it's very difficult, you know, because you, the baby's crying all the time. Every time you put the baby down, you just think, oh, God, like, I can't do anything. So now we know, we know a lot more than we did in the past, thank goodness. So, you know, if a baby's unwell or baby's different or something's happening, just get the baby checked and write things down like this is what he's doing or this is what she's doing to tell the doctor or the midwife.
0: Would you go to a GP or or go to emergency?
1: If the baby was certainly unwell, go to emergency. But if something like that, that they're just not Settled and they're vomiting. Go to um, the maternal and child health nurse or a GP. But the maternal and child health nurses, there's a lot of training behind what we do.
0: Mm. And if parents ever find themselves struggling, Mm -hmm. or they feel like they're in too deep, or they're simply unsure if their baby's okay, what should they do?
1: There, there's again, there's a lot more support services around for us as new when we're new parents. We have incredible phone lines in Australia that offer service to new parents. And these are people who are talking to you, are, are highly trained and can problem solve what's going on very, very quickly. So have a look at what's going on in the local government. Have, just Google, you know, help after you've had a baby, um, a helpline for a baby, talking to your GP, finding a good, good GP, someone who you can relate to and, you know, knows you and trusts you and that listening, you know, someone listening to you so you can say, yes, I understand what you're saying and you do need some help.
0: Whatever you think of the state of our public health system, I, I, I certainly have found that this is one area of oh, public great. health that's very well resourced and absolutely prioritised. So there's there's, a, there's multiple numbers uh, you can call if you are finding it all a bit tricky for whatever reason. Midwife Kath, thank you for helping make those early weeks as soft a landing as possible for new mums and dads alike. In the next episode, things get a little bit harder maybe. When all the visitors have gone and the partners are starting to go back to work, the real business of parenting kicks in. So please join us then on the next episode of
1: Earth Baby and Beyond. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior Executive Producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive Producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio Production by Josh Newth. And Music by Matt Nicolich.